All right, good morning, community. How's everybody doing? Yeah, all right. Good energy. Got a few, I got an extra day off tomorrow, right? This will be fun. Um, I, I brought something with me here because um, almost every morning, almost every morning, um, I usually have with me, I usually start, uh, you know, I pull up a chair somewhere. Maybe it's in my uh, kitchen table or maybe it's actually at a restaurant or maybe it's at a Starbucks somewhere. And I, and I have my journal pulled out of my bag and my Bible with me and I pray. And my, my hunch is almost no matter where you are in your own spiritual journey, almost every kind of spiritually oriented person thinks prayer is something that's really important. And while it's something that's really important, it's also something that's kind of mysterious, isn't it, prayer? It's a little confusing about exactly, I mean, how does this thing work? And, and when you start to combine kind of some of the confusion around prayer, how does this work, and some of the mystery around prayer, uh, sometimes it leads to comedy. Before we begin, since this is Aunt Bethany's 80th Christmas, I think she should lead us in the saying of grace. Greg, would you like to say grace? Unless you have some objection. No, 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 I'd love to. Dear Lord, baby Jesus, we thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of dominoes, KFC, and Always delicious Taco Bell. Oh, dear God, thank you. You are such a good God to us, a, a kind and gentle and accommodating God. They want you to say grace. The blessing. Dear tiny infant Jesus. Hey, um, you know, sweetie, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby. Well, look, I like the Christmas Jesus best, and I'm saying grace. And we thank you, oh, sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, this day and each day by day, day by day by day. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. Your tiny Jesus, in your golden fleece diapers with your tiny little fat balled up fist pawing. He was a man. He had a beard. One nation and with, with liberty and justice. Amen. Nothing uh, but the most intellectually stimulating content for you all. Um, but there, I, think, I think there's something about these clips. I think part of what the deal with these clips are, I think they're funny because there's something in it that's true. And what's in it that's true, I think, is that we all, I think, have a certain degree where we struggle to really understand prayer. And, and consequently, if we struggle to understand exactly how prayer works, then I think sometimes we struggle to actually pray. And, and so like John mentioned, we're going to start a brand new series today. It's a two-week series called Ready, Set. And I think this is a very, very, very important series in the life of our church for a couple different reasons. One, for us, right here at Community at the Yellow Box, in two weeks is, is our show-up Sunday. And we're kind of coming together as a community and saying, you know what, we want to pray for and ask God, okay, to use us to help reach friends, family members, coworkers, neighbors, classmates, Okay, and, and for those people to show up, to invite them to be here on September 20th, and that will be perhaps the greatest day ever in the life of community where we see more people than ever find their way back to God, at least start that journey. And that's a big part of what we're doing here. 
But another big part of what we're doing here is it really is about us learning how prayer works. How does this thing work? Because if we understand how it works, then we can understand how we can make a difference in the lives of the people around us that we love so much. And then even challenge one another to pray big and bold and audacious kind of prayers. Now, we've all heard probably the phrase, prayer changes things, right? You heard that? Prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. And I think since I was a kid, I was taught to kind of believe, yeah, prayer changes things. And I can remember as a kid, you know, dribbling the basketball in the driveway, right? Shooting hoops. And while I'm shooting hoops, I'm 10 or 11 years old, dreaming of playing in the NBA. And I'm praying, right? God, make me 6'5". God, please make me 6'5". God, I just want to be 6 foot 5 inches. And I'm still praying. As I got older, and probably as you did, your prayers got a little more serious. Maybe start praying about dating relationships. Start praying about which college. Start praying about your marriage, who to marry, <laughs> or why did I marry. <laughs> you start praying about your career. You start praying about for kids. Decisions your kids are making, the transition your kids make into adulthood. And then somewhere along the way, you start praying for some big prayers, some things you really care about. And what's fascinating is, is we all pray. We all pray. In fact, surveys tell us that, that even atheists pray. So everybody prays. It might be a kind of a just-in-case prayer, but we all pray. But even though we all pray, I think we struggle with exactly how does prayer works. Because let's face it, I mean, if it was, like, it was like a vending machine where you put something in, and then we got something back out. You know, I put a prayer in, and then I get something back out. Then that would make sense, right? There'd be kind of this cause and effect. I know how this thing works. And I would kind of continue to do that. I put it in, I get something out. I put it in, I get something out. But somewhere along the way, I think all of us had the experience, I put a prayer in, and I don't necessarily get something back out. I put a prayer in, I send it up to God, but it doesn't come back exactly the way I'd hoped. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves kind of smacking the machine on the side, and hey, this doesn't work right. And as we smack the machine on the side saying, this doesn't work right, quite right, we begin to question, you know, do I want to continue to put stuff in? What, what, why am I doing this? Well, here's what I want you to think about this. Maybe, maybe the change that prayer affects is not necessarily the change that we expect. Maybe the change that prayer affects is not necessarily the change that we expect. Uh, what I want to challenge you with today is I want you to consider this. I want you to consider a thought that comes to us from Oswald Chambers, one of the, a great spiritual guide. And, and, he, and he put it this way. And I want you to kind of ponder this. He said this. He said, to say that prayer changes things is not as close to the truth as saying prayer changes me and then I change things. Let's think about it again. To say that prayer changes things is not as close to the truth as saying prayer changes me and then I change things. Kind of noodle on that for a little bit. Now, having said that, here's what, I, here's what I don't want to say. I do not want to say this, okay? I'm not saying this. I'm not saying that God doesn't miraculously sometimes intervene into time and space into our lives and do things because and the result of our prayers at a request. He just comes in and does something. Boom. I think that does sometimes happen. Um, Sue, could, Sue could tell you, my wife could tell you, I remember one particular instance in my own life, right before we were getting married, um, I, was playing, I was playing basketball, and I was playing basketball in this league, and, and I went up for a, a, a layup with, with my, my incredible vertical leap, and, um, and this guy undercut me. And he undercut me, and I ended up going to the ground. I remember as soon as I hit the ground, I had this excruciating pain. I was rolling around, and I had ruptured my anterior cruciate ligament in my knee. Went to the doctor. The doctor said, yeah, you've ruptured your anterior cruciate ligament in your knee. You're going to have to have surgery. 
And um, this was just right before our, 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 uh, our wedding. And what it meant, it meant he said, you're going to have to have surgery and you're going to have a cast up to here. And you're going to have that cast up to here through your wedding and into your honeymoon. Enjoy that. <laughs> right? So I began to pray. In fact, it's interesting that actually in James, if you get to the back of the New Testament, in James, it actually says if, if any of you has a, are, are sick, it says call the elders and have them pray over you. Anoint you and pray over you. And so not only I pray, but I actually had the elders come and pray for me. And I'd grown up in this church, so I knew all, all the elders, and they came and they prayed for me. And I went back to the doctor before I was supposed to have this, this surgery, and the doctor re- examined my knee one more time. And I'll never forget, he looked me right in the eye and he said, Dave, I don't really understand it, um, but your, your knee isn't the same, and I don't recommend that you have surgery at all. And that was for me one of those times where it was kind of like, wow. I mean, it was kind of like you put the, you put the prayer in the vending machine and it comes right back out. But that's exactly what I wanted. This is awesome. I wish it would work that way every time. And I think it does work that way sometimes, sometimes. I don't want to stress that. But at the same time, I think I also want to come back to this. To say that prayer changes me is not as close to the truth as saying that prayer changes, uh, to say that prayer changes things, rather, is not as close to the truth as saying prayer changes me and that I change things. And could it be the reason that maybe we don't get prayer is because oftentimes maybe God's intention is that the most important thing that it actually changes is not so much that thing or that circumstance, but oftentimes just me or maybe you. Okay, well, if that's the case, that it actually changes me and change, how does that occur? Because I want to get in on that then. I want to understand that. What we have, we have the most famous prayer in Scripture, which is the Lord's Prayer. And it's actually the Lord's Prayer as is, is, is a model prayer that Jesus uses to teach us how to pray. And, and he taught us this, and we see it in, in Matthew. And last, the last four weeks, we've kind of been kind of spending some time there in Matthew. But I want instead, this morning, I want to skip over to Luke. You have Matthew, Mark, uh, Luke, and then John. So Luke's the third book in the New Testament. And I want to look at Luke, and it's a, it's a shorter version of the Lord's Prayer. It's a little more to the point. And I think as we look at it this morning, what we're going to discover is that prayer actually changes us in three different ways. Three different ways that prayer changes us. So let's take a look at these here. Let me, let me start this way. I think first of all, I think prayer, what it does, as we're going to discover, draws me close to God. Prayer has a way of drawing me close to God. Um, most of my days, I usually start my day early, but most of my days end with, uh, with our family in the family room. Uh, sometimes the kids are in the family room. Sometimes they're not. But Sue and I, my wife and I, Sue and I, we're almost always there. And, uh, and usually we're both kind of sitting on the couch. And so we kind of end our day with both of us, you know, in the same house, in the same room, sitting on the same couch. Now, sometimes, for Sue and I, we'll be sitting on opposite ends of kind of our, what do you call the L-shaped couches? What do you call those? Sectional. A sectional. Thank you very much. That's the technical name. <laughs> we're sitting on opposite ends of the sectional. Right. Very good. And she sits on her end, and I'm sitting on my end, and uh, she's on her laptop. <laughs> I'm on my laptop. And actually, we could be just less, we're almost, I mean, we could almost touch each other, probably 10 feet away. But the truth is, even though we're in the same house, sitting in the same room on the same couch, it's like we're a, you know, a worldwide, worldwide web apart from one another. All right? We're kind of together, but not really together. Now, there's other times, though, other times when we'll end our day, and like, like last night, we said, you know what, hey, let's see what's on TV. Let's watch. Why don't we watch a movie? And maybe we'll turn on Netflix, Netflix and find something. And instead of sitting on the ends of the sectional, opposite ends of the L, we move to what our family calls, I don't know if you call this, we call it the wedge. 
you guys have a wedge? It's the most comfortable spot in the couch, the wedge. And when we both move to the wedge, we're close. I like it in the wedge. And so we sit, we'll be together there in the wedge watching the movie. And we're in the same house, we're in the same room, and we're on the same couch, but we're together and we're close in the wedge. I want you to think about prayer this way. Think about prayer this way because here's the thing that we sometimes often forget. You are right here, right? All of us are right here. We're right where we are. Turns out where we go, (laughs) we are there, correct? The thing we often forget is that God is right here. God is right there. And wherever we go, God is right here and God is right there with us. Sometimes we live our lives, even though we're in the same place at the same time, we live our lives as though we're really not, we're like worlds apart. But what prayer has this way of doing, whether it's something you do at the beginning of the day or throughout the day, it has, it kind of brings us, can I just say this? It kind of brings us to the wedge where you're close and you realize that, hey, you know what? We are in the same place at the same time. And that both us, okay, you, me, and God, we're both right here. Prayer is simply this. It's recognizing that God is here. And so we look at this Luke. Luke in Luke, when, when the Jesus teaches how to pray, he begins with this. He says this. Here's how you ought to pray. Father, hallowed be thy name. And he's telling us that, that prayer is, is, is this relational thing. It's recognizing that your heavenly Father is right here, right now. And the word Father that Jesus uses is this Aramaic word, Abba. Abba. This has nothing to do with the 70s band, okay? It's this Aramaic word, which actually, do you you know what um, some research will tell us is the most common first word that a baby will say? The most common first word. It it probably should be mama, right? But what is it actually? Dada. That's exactly right. It's dada. Dada. And the word that Jesus chooses there, he says, Father, hallowed be thy name. It's actually Abba. It's like he's saying, Dada. The same way that a baby recognizing his father is there. He says, when you enter into prayer, what it does is you're recognizing your heavenly father is right here with you. Are you getting this? Does that make sense? And you can be flying through your everyday life and God is in that same place the same time as you. But what prayer does is it makes you, all of a sudden you realize, no, God is close. He's nearby. Now, here's the second thing that happens. The second thing that happens is prayer begins to align my heart and my mind with God's. Because what happens is when you get close to somebody, you begin to discover what things are important to them. Um, you guys know Lucas. Lucas is our worship leader, right, who does a great job. Lucas is probably somewhere in the room. We ought to get him around. He's a great job. Now, if you spend time, I'm pointing, to, I'm pointing to the music stand. If you spend time with Lucas, what you'll discover, especially this time of year, what's really important to Lucas is the New England Patriots. What do you mean, woo? I know the Bears, it's looking pretty bad, but I mean, and so, so Lucas, he loves a team that cheats, okay? So we know that, right, about him. He, all right? When you spend time with him, you discover that. When you spend time with someone, you discover things about them. Um... John over here, you'll notice, John, stand up, please. Come here. John, you, you'll notice that John has, you'll discover he has great taste in shirts. <laughs> right? Um, if you also would get, get to know John, you'll also find out John recently, uh, he was recently published. Um, he wrote a chapter in a book on preaching and teaching. He's a very smart guy. All right? 
So here's my point. When you spend time with somebody, what happens? You get close to them, you begin to learn what's important to them, what matters to them, right? And what happens then also is you then, especially if it's close to God, you begin to align your heart and you align your mind with him because you understand what's important and what matters to him. And so then Jesus takes us through this prayer and he says, here's how you ought to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then he goes on and he says, your kingdom come. So when we begin to pray, your kingdom come, what we do then is we begin to align our hearts and minds with him. We learned last series that the kingdom of God is when God gets what God wants, right? It's when God gets what God wants. We get close to God. All of a sudden, we align our hearts and minds with him, and we begin to say, okay, God, how do I help you get what you want? That grieving friend, I want to bring hope to them because that's what you want. That person is deemed unlovable. I want to help love them because that's what you want. That person is in need. I want to be generous to that person like we saw with the kids in the field because that's what you want. It's this awesome spiritual experience through prayer that when you get close to God, your heart and your mind begins to align with his. You begin to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And you begin to realize what God wants is he wants you to have daily bread that you're dependent on him for it. He supplies everything that we have, but you also begin to realize, you know what, what I want too is I want to make sure everybody else has their daily bread as I align my heart and mind with his. You begin to pray, forgive. Forgive me as I forgive others. And you begin to realize, you know what, I'm somebody, who, there's a whole parts of my life that are kind of just a screw up, that are messed up, and I need forgiveness. I need mercy. I need grace. And guess what? That's true of everybody else. And so as I align my heart and my mind with God, not only do I recognize I need forgiveness, but I want to make sure I want what God wants. I want to forgive other people. Lead us not in temptation, we pray. And as we align our hearts and minds with his, we realize that, you know what? What he wants to do is he wants to give my heart this, this courage to not do things that are going to destroy every good thing that he has for us. Does that make sense? We get close to him and all of a sudden, we know about him, and we begin to align our hearts and minds with his. So first thing, prayer gets us close to God. Secondly, prayer changes us by aligning our heart and mind with God. And here's the third thing that happens. The third thing that happens is prayer that moves me to action. It moves me to action. It's interesting. Let's, let's, um, let's take a look, because what Jesus does, he, he gives us this model for prayer, and then he tells us this story, and he says this. It's kind of a peculiar story. He says, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Because a friend of mine's on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose one inside answers, hey, don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children are all in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Well, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity that you will keep asking, that you'll keep knocking, that you'll keep seeking, he will, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. And here's what, then Jesus says this, so I say to you, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened to him. The point of the story here, and it often gets misunderstood, is not to kind of compare this cranky old man with God. It's not that God's this grumpy old man who won't so much as get out of bed because his kids are already asleep and he's kind of tired and helps somebody. Not at all. The point of the story is if by keeping on knocking on the door and not giving up with that cranky old man, he will eventually get up and help you. God, our loving heavenly father, our dada, our Abba, 
he will generously give you. So ask, seek, knock. As I thought about prayers moving us to action and why we need to ask, seek, and knock, I thought about what's coming up. In four weeks, we're going to have something called Celebration Generosity. For those of you who've been around, you know what Celebration Generosity is. For those of you who are brand new, maybe not. It's the first weekend of our fiscal year where we give our entire offering away. And I, 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 lo- I love that offering. I love that weekend, I mean. Um, and maybe you don't know how Celebration Generosity got started. But it actually started with a prayer. It was, uh, it was one year during a particularly kind of difficult financial time. It was actually kind of when the economic downturn around 07, 08. And uh, the church, we projected an 18% increase in our giving, and we were only up about 1%. And all of a sudden, we're going, like, got this big gap. What do we do? And I remember I, I called a day. I said, we need to have a day of prayer and fasting. And so our whole staff just prayed and fasted for a whole day. And we were contemplating things like, okay, do we need to make some cuts? Do we need to shrink the vision? Do we just throttle back on the mission? So we had this day of prayer and fasting. The whole staff team, we gathered in the little theater where, there were the, where, the, where our kids' city meets. And uh, I just kind of said, okay, what, what do you feel like God's telling you? And there was a, kind of this long pause. And then uh, one of our staff guys, it was, it was an IT guy, he raised his hand and he said, um, he said, I don't really know exactly why. He said, but I feel like God's telling us not to shrink the vision, but in some way we're supposed to expand the vision. And, um, and that was not what we were expecting. And out of that came this idea, well, what if, what if we did do something where we did? We just said, no, you know what? Instead of being afraid, we're just going to be more generous. And in the middle of uh, this financial crunch, we made this decision, you know what, we're just going to give everything away this weekend to God's purposes beyond ourselves. And uh, there were a lot of people that thought that was just a crazy, and it was, it was a crazy idea in some ways. But that prayer then moved us to action, and it continues to move us to action. And, and as you know, we, over the last seven years, we've given away $3.5 million now. We're going to go over the $4 million mark come October 4th. It's going to be awesome. And, that's the cause, and it's the causes like you saw, like, like front lines, some local and some global. And here's what happens. Hear me on this, okay? When you get close to God and you begin to, this is where it all comes together, you begin to align your heart and mind with God. He says, now you're ready to ask. You can ask for anything. You ask for anything. You pray audacious prayers. And I'll tell you what, if you could, if you could see in my journal here, this is, a, this is a place where I go to God with my most bold and audacious prayers. If you, if you looked in here, you would and you could understand kind of my scratch in here. This is a place where I consistently, I ask God, I say, you know what, God? I, I love what you're doing and helping us pe- help people find their way back to God. But God, w- would you give us, would you give community, give us 20 different locations and 10,000 people. Allow us to reach that many people. Not for number's sake, but one person at a time. And then the line after that, I said, God, would you not just do that once, but do that, do that 10 more times throughout the city of Chicago. And I pray that prayer. And it's a regular prayer that I pray, just asking God, because I feel like it aligns with his heart and his mind. And then the next line over here, then our new thing, our church planting efforts. We've got about 260-some churches around the world that we've helped plant that are reproducing churches. And, and now we're starting to pray. We're saying, God, would you give us 10,000, 10,000 reproducing churches to help people find their way back to God? Would you do that? And here's the thing. Hear me on this part. This is what's so important. I think and what I'm discovering at this season of my own spiritual life what I'm discovering is this, that these big audacious prayers really do change things. And part of the way they change things is actually by changing me. 
They, when I pray this way, close to God, aligned with his heart and mind, it changes the way I walk throughout my day. It changes the way I look through things. It changes the way I interact. So, for example, when I'm driving around Chicagoland area, I'm driving into maybe a, into a suburb or in the city. When I see a, a, an, empty, an, empty, an empty building, I don't just see an empty building. You know what I see? Right. I see the possibility, hey, that could be a church. <laughs> when I drive into a suburb that's building somewhere and I see a brand new school going up, I don't just see a brand new school. You know what I see? I see, yeah, I see. There's a possibility. That we could, hey, we could start a church there. That, that's just, and I think it's something to do about praying this way that, that, that makes me see the whole world differently. And I don't, I don't think you guys ought to be praying about the same stuff I'm praying about. There's stuff that God's placed in your heart you need to be praying about that'll help you see your world differently. When I interact with, with, with leaders, I meet a sharp young Christian leader. I don't just see a sharp young Christian guy or gal. But you know what I see? I'm going like, man, I wonder if that guy could plant a church. <laughs> Does that make sense? I wonder if she could plant a church. Somehow those prayers change me. So if we go back to what Oswald Chambers said. He said this, to say that prayer changes things is not as close to the truth, maybe not quite as close to the truth as saying that prayer actually changes me and then I change things. One of the things in my journal here too, it's a whole long list of people that I pray for. There's a whole long list of people I pray for. Uh, there's probably about a dozen of them here on a regular basis. And if you would, I would love for you to do this. Would you, would you take this card right now? Go ahead and take this card. Because what I want you to do is I want you to use this card to pray for some people. Maybe some people that you know that, would, that are far from God or maybe they're almost there. Or maybe they just need to take the next step in their spiritual journey. Because here's what my experience has been. Over the years as I've prayed for people like this, it's been an awesome thing. Sometimes I've actually, in the last year, I've seen people who, who, who are baptized, who found their way back to God, who once were just on my list. And I also find myself interacting with them with a lot more intention. Here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to take the pen that's near you, and would you go ahead, and I've already done this, but fill out the names of five folks that you'll begin to pray for for the next two weeks. And um, I want to try something different here. I want to first have us pray a prayer out loud. And then I'm going to ask you to pray it on your own out loud. And here's the prayer I'm going to ask you to, to pray. We'll see it on the screen here. It's this. Father, draw us close to you. Father, align our hearts and minds with yours. And Father, move us to action for you. I'll tell you what, let's just all, on the count of three, let's all pray that prayer, okay? Right now, here we go, let's pray this. Father, draw us close to you. Father, align our hearts and minds with yours. And Father, move us to action for you. What I want you to do now, we're gonna give you just a couple minutes. It's a little bit different, but I would love for you to uh, think of those five people. And as you write down a name there, would you just kind of go ahead and say that prayer out loud? And I know it's a little different, but just go ahead and say that prayer out loud and the people around you kind of be able to hear it. It'll be kind of like this kind of like a little symphony of, of prayer in this room. Does that make sense? And then, uh, and then uh, Lucas will lead us in the prayer one more time and into a song. But go ahead and fill that out. And I would love for you the next two weeks, say, hey, these are the people I'm gonna be praying for. I want God to use me to help, maybe help them find their way back to God. And as you write down each name, just go ahead and say that. Father, draw us close to you. Align our hearts and minds with yours. 
move us to action to you so all the people around you, just close by, can hear that we're all in this together praying that way. All right, let's just take a couple minutes and do that right now.